0: Welcome to The Osterous Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Alan Cruz from Lancaster University. He published an article entitled Understanding Entrepreneurial Opportunities Through Metaphors, a narrative approach to theorizing family entrepreneurship. He co-authored this article with Eleanor Hamilton and Sarah Jack. It has been published in the volume 33, number five and six of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Alan, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Vincent. A pleasure to be here.
0: Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer with your paper?
1: well um, the origin of this of this paper um, came uh, it started out in my, in my PhD it was it was one day that um, I was interviewing one of these families and and in that conversation um, I dared to ask them you know um, they were developing different businesses and they had created a, a portfolio business and this was fascinating to, to hear the stories and and how they actually did it and at some point I, I was a bit I, I dared to ask the question so, what, what is your secret? How do you do it? And it was the, the response was, was mind-boggling at the time. And I think that, that remained in my, in my head. And, and, and when one of the leaders responded, well, you want to know your secret? And I said, yeah, you know, to tell me, what, 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 how do you do it? He said, well, for us, this is like playing Monopoly. And when he said that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I play Monopoly, but I never saw it in this light. And, and that remained in my mind for many years. So over time, I, I, this, is one of, this was one of the families in a group of 12 that um, uh, agreed to participate in a study about entrepreneurial dynamics. And so we always kept in touch. I kept collecting data. And at some point in time, I think it was very interesting to see how, you know, things emerged on the patterns and just listening to different conversations and reading the data. And there was something going on there, a pattern that I saw, initially and then I discussed with my co-authors and we saw something really interesting here. But we left it for a while. And it was until that call of papers about, you know, how do we enhance the field of family entrepreneurship that was developed by, by, by in colleagues in, in your school, in you know, Audiencia and, and uh, they they call for a very interesting and you know challenge. How do we extend our understanding about family entrepreneurship where entrepreneurship and family means, you know, how do we explore a little bit more this, this particular phenomenon? And then we, we met with my co-opters and said, well, this is interesting. How, how about we talk about these items that we have seen perhaps in the past and we never had the opportunity to research? And that's how it came about. So we look at the call for papers and it causes us to advance the field, you know, uh, extending knowledge on that intersection with entrepreneurship and family myth. And we thought this is an interesting uh, uh, context to actually do something like this. So we started out with this basically thinking about, okay, what is unique about entrepreneurship? And previous research that has been developed in the Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Journal calls, calls researchers to look at entrepreneurship as a process. And this is a conversation that has started you know, years ago and most recent research as well has suggested that entrepreneurship has to be looked at as a process. And in that process, you have to acknowledge Different ways in which entrepreneurs create opportunities, shape them, construct them, and very importantly, how do we frame this in terms of an entrepreneurial opportunity? And we thought, you know what, there is something here that perhaps we haven't explored well. And so the premise on that was that, well, if we take a look at how family business emerge, you know, family members, sometimes they have to face unfamiliar territories, especially when they have to go away from their initial business. And, and sometimes they have to make sense of that journey because entrepreneurship, as, as, as we see it now, it's, it's a journey. And we thought, well, sometimes when they go through this journey, they have sometimes to do it through the narratives, through stories, to how they talk with each other about how do they engage in that process? How do they make sense of the things that are perhaps are, are sometimes complicated? And so we thought, well, let's examine what we have. So when we were looking at this literature, we were looking at the data as well, uh, it was it was fast something was there and 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 what was really interesting is we started out discussing what these families were saying and and I think eventually my co author said well let's hold on a minute. what these families are doing is talking in a language that appears to make sense to them and they're talking in a language that makes something that looks very complex like looking into a new business opportunity into something that is familiar, intimate, you know, that, that they, it makes sense for them. So let's examine that. And so in our paper, where we wanted to examine that, we, we concentrated about how these family members, when well, they face these unfamiliar territories, they make sense of this journey. And and we, we knew very little about how these narratives were constructed or used in that context of family entrepreneurship. So what we decided to do is to explore how, one way of making sense of what was going on was appear unfamiliar, was made familiar. And based on a previous paper we developed with, with, with Ellie Hamilton and Sarah Jack on narratives, one of the key aspects that, that scholars were calling to explore is the use of metaphors. And, and metaphors are interesting because they make the unfamiliar familiar. They're a linguistic device that actually are very complex, but it allowed us. To, to, to really explore how families perhaps create a shared view of an entrepreneurial opportunity. And at the same time, we thought, well, this perhaps could influence family entrepreneurship. So uh, to, to summarize that, it, it all started with a person suggesting something that, you know, how, gosh, that's interesting. You know, that's, how, how do we explore that a little bit more? And that's how this paper developed. Um, we saw as well there was perhaps some some aspects that were Previously, on exploring the literature, and we saw it in terms of uh, family systems theory, uh, transgenerational entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial legacy, and all these different items. Actually, they had a common denominator. They all called us to really explore a little bit more how these shared understandings, how these shared narratives, actually came into being. And we thought, well, metaphors are important parts of narratives. Let's explore this a little bit more. So. That's how it came about.
0: What are the main contributions of your paper?
1: Well, I think if we look at the paper, we look at the different data and how we we analyze it. We we uncover patterns. and, 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 And this was interesting because we relied on previous approaches to how to examine narratives and how to examine metaphors. And we started with a premise, and I think it's a recent paper as well, I think, uh, Vincent, you, you, you were part of this paper. Entrepreneurship is, is, you know, has to be understood as a process. And when we take a look at entrepreneurship as a process, we really had to understand how this will impact family entrepreneurship. And when we examine the data, we, we, we saw different patterns that actually were very interesting and could expand the field. Um, first of all, we, we started by analysing the role of family discourse and how families communicate, how families pass knowledge from one generation to the other, how those conversations, everyday conversations perhaps, have a meaning that actually has an impact on how they view entrepreneurial opportunities, how do they go about it, and how do they actually make it perpetuate between one generation and the other. So how that happens over time. So when we're looking at our data, we were analyzing the data, uh, these patterns told us well. It has repercussions in terms of how they connect over time, how they um, influence the learning between generations, and how they reinforce that family unit that is involved in business. So the contributions of that expanded what we knew in terms of family entrepreneurship. You know, it allows us to 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 argue to advocate that there is a linguistic element, that is the language the narrative of families that we really need to explore a little bit more. And so by using the metaphors, by using that element of metaphors, we really brought that into light. We really brought that into the conversation. And we said, look, family entrepreneurship, can we also theorize through metaphors? And and it was interesting when we were looking at the different um, conversations and the different uh, data elements that all the different families we interviewed, they all had something to say in a language that was really private to them that it all allowed them over time to make sense of different entrepreneurial opportunities and what's interesting here is that we saw these families using to share experiences so let me tell you about about this one for example the related to monopoly this was a family that had developed uh started out in real estate that developed uh retail businesses that developed different businesses as well, outside of their initial initial venture. And they all went back, when they started out a new business, they all went back to that experience and narrative of relating, creating that entrepreneurial opportunity as playing a monopoly game. What was interesting here is that these families were able to really elucidate how an entrepreneurial uh, opportunity came to light to all of them was easy for them, to all of them, by relating it back to those experiences in playing. For example, you know, if, if you ever play a game, a board game, with it's Monopoly, Risk, or anything else, uh, you have those elements of luck and chance and uncertainty, and what is going to happen, we don't know, but we have to cope with what is thrown at us in the game. And at the same time, you have to make use of resources, you have to think carefully about what your next move is going to make, but how are you going to make the best out of every opportunity you have within the game? So for them, it allowed them to have a point of reference, a blueprint, when they went about and studied new opportunities. And it made that, that daunting feeling, that unfamiliar feeling of this new journey, a little bit more familiar. Why? Because when they analyzed these opportunities, they were able to share it with the rest of that family unit and business. And they were able to talk about it in terms of that experience playing a game. So it made sense for them. It allowed them to reflect back on how they could move in that entrepreneurial process, how they can get resources together, how they can actually leverage on their experience, on their skills, the people they knew, and why they would do that, and actually make sense of that entrepreneurial journey. So really enacting that approach to entrepreneurial opportunities and helping us understand how family entrepreneurship, when we look at these narratives and these stories, actually, actually emerge. So we, we contributed uh, when we were looking at these contributions and these patterns. We actually uh, saw different different aspects that we could contribute to. Um, one of the key contributions is 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 that we contribute to the knowledge of family entrepreneurship as a social and discursive process. That means that where meanings and values really are communicated and maintained in everyday interactions. So this helped us understand a little bit more about how it influenced the transgenerational entrepreneurship discussions and also as well how it impacted on learning for these families so for these families you know it was it was interesting to communicate to teach others in a very sometimes implicit way sometimes not even deliberately how to go about and look at an entrepreneurial opportunity and It was interesting because it told us the relevance and the importance of metaphors as a symbolic language of a process, an entrepreneurial process, that implied change, that implied metamorphosis, you know, it narrated the processes of family entrepreneurship across generations. It allowed these families to really have a point of reference to how to go about these entrepreneurial opportunities and and that i think is, is one of the the, the key contributions of, of the paper we're trying to again theorize a little bit more how how family entrepreneurship unfolded
0: what was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge in addressing such a question
1: Well, is at the start of this we, we didn't know where to start in, in a way you know it, it, there were a lot of theoretical perspectives we could use but we found a, a very a, a very a, important and interesting line of thought first of all trying to say okay well you know what is the most important one of the most important elements in entrepreneurship and one of the most important elements is entrepreneurial opportunities and when you read the work that, that other colleagues like like um Catherine Randerson and, and and other colleagues have done on this it's fascinating to see how we often overlook the relevance of how families make sense of this because of their structure because of the way they communicate and that led, led us as well to to, to think, okay, well, so how does this connect to family? And when we take a look at family, we often, we have often looked at that, that a family is a system. It's a very complex system. And one of the key things that keeps, you know, order and stability in the system is communication. And communication between family members seems to be very important not only to make sense of the theory that was trying to connect with entrepreneurial opportunities, family entrepreneurship, family members in business, but it allows us to see that there was a connection over time, that the family system perpetuates itself in the way it communicates and what is being communicated. And then it connected us as well with the aspects of narratives, of stories. And these stories span the lifetime sometimes of one generation so if the challenge of trying to see how to connect this it was a, it was a fascinating challenge we we, we had fun in, in trying to to make sense of this it was it was, as well the our reviewers really pushed us and it was really good when we did this in uh, the process of, of the journal is that the, the reviewers we had were really constructive and suggested, how we thought about this what about this perception what about this fabulous system what about all this and I think at the same time it, it developed into a really nice you know um, way of looking at something that perhaps we have overlooked, or we have not really paid attention to. Um, I think I think one of the, the challenges as well for us was we we, we we didn't know how to approach it, how to actually uh, um, study uh, uh, metaphors. And so we had to go back and rely on how uh, people not only in the entrepreneurship field, like, like Sarah Dracopolo daughter, and Alistair Anderson had done it, but also how was metaphor analysis done in, in the field? And we had to, to really immerse in the linguistics you know, of it and, and fascinating you know, fascinating work going on on that. For example, you know, this is something that your audience might find interesting, is we often do not realise how often we use metaphorical language. And we were fascinated to find that um, for example, recent study suggests in, in the neurological science that we can use up to four metaphors per minute when we talk. And and, and we thought, gosh, you know, sometimes we, we, we forget that in the language of families, perhaps we have overlooked that what they're telling us might have meaning that we perhaps need to explore a little bit more. So one of the challenges as well for us when we were looking at this is, is trying to follow the uh, um, um, processes that, that previous previous colleagues and scholars have done, and in doing that, it allows us to have a frame of reference and say, okay, we can conduct it this way, we can analyze metaphor this way. We have to define a metaphor, what it means. How do we do it? How we can identify it in the text, and so on and so on. And we were doing when we were doing this, another challenge emerged, and the challenge was that we often forget that every language. You know, has has its own ways of expressing, whether it's Spanish, whether it's French, Russian, uh, you name it. Uh, and and sometimes what we find this, what we found is that in most of the studies of, of metaphors, English was the lingua franca, was was the language used. And sometimes authors had to translate from one language to another. So we have to be very careful in in trying to understand. And this was something that we did as as as, as is that well, we discuss about, look, this is what the, like. Um, um, this um, interview, this uh, data set meant in Spanish, and um, um, how do we translate it into English, how is it best interpreted? And in that, even the auto suggested, oh, you know, this actually relates to, to a common English metaphor that is like this. And in that engagement, we were able to see that as, as well, one of the challenges sometimes as researchers is that we have to acknowledge the importance of which language are we interviewing, how are we analysing it, and how are we putting it together in, in our studies. And so in this, in this challenge, we actually, something really interesting came about is that we realized that the metaphors are used, of course, by entrepreneurial families around the world. And, and sometimes when you look at the studies of linguistics and metaphors and narratives, metaphors are a basic human skill, you know, and, and different languages construct metaphors differently because every language would have a lexical resource to bring these ideas together, so make something unfamiliar familiar familiar. So we, we realized this challenge, but it was, it was fun for us to, to go about um, and, and move forward. And, um, I think there's some noise in the background.
0: Uh, but
1: that's, that's one of the main challenges in, in etology. And I think, as I mentioned, that, that engagement with authors, with, with our reviewers, in terms of telling us, you know, this is something interesting, push it a little bit more. And, and we had to push ourselves to think. You know, how do we how are we connecting these different conversations, and how are we going about and researching these this, um, aspects, and how are we analyzing the data? So it was it was a fascinating it was a fascinating experience, and, and, and it was pushed us, it challenged us. But at the end, we really had you know a, a good a good experience in, in putting this paper together.
0: During the, your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or maybe the most counterintuitive result?
1: Well, one of the biggest surprises, I, I think, and, and this was something that, that we experienced, is the amount of metaphorical language used by families in business. and business. And sometimes, you know, when, when we are looking at this, uh, at the data, and sometimes it, I think it calls us as researchers to go back and revisit our interviews. Because we would find that, that these families perhaps, this was a big surprise, how then we overlooked, you know, how these families were trying to tell us. And, and and this was interesting because one of the key questions we asked at the beginning is, tell us your story. Tell us about how this business emerged. Tell us how you identified opportunities. And in every and then we went back to the data and, and, and analyzed what they were saying. We were just shocked, it's like, you know, something is removed from their eyes that, that says well, you know, they're talking about in a way that makes something really complex for them in that journey of, of, of starting a new firm to something very familiar. And, and that, I, re- I think, was one of the biggest surprises because they were letting us know into, their, into their, a very familiar language that made sense for them. And, and at the same time, it, it, it pushed us to think about how do we actually see legacy unfold you know recent studies that have that told tell us a little bit more how do we go about in terms of 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 a theoretical approach of a conceptual approach of legacy it it, i think it it gave us some hints about how to to look at it and 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 told us well sometimes metaphors can be artifacts but how are these metaphors becoming artifacts and we're realizing here what was really something new is that our study allows us to see how these metaphors are important in the everyday language of family entrepreneurship and i think the relevance here was that we now could see entrepreneurial legacy as something very that can become very purposeful you know these families use these narrative elements like metaphors to really perhaps cement a legacy over time And, and then this was something that was really surprising, and, and at the same time, uh, challenges to, to, to rethink what we were looking at. Is that metaphors are really developed, communicated, and translated into forms that call for entrepreneurial action. So they are not just sayings of families, oh, this is, you know, a game like that. No, they, they call you, they, for these families, they call them to really push themselves about how to go, how to, for example, in the in a game, to go for the next move. And, and really, that was really something that, that we didn't expect to find and it was fascinating for us to see as, as one of the biggest surprises for the study.
0: What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, families or practitioners in general?
1: Well, I, th- I think for, for a practical implication of collaboration of sometimes we have to, to realize the power of words. The power, of la- the power of language, you know, and the power of language that embeds or experiences in business. What we saw is that in this study is that uh, uh, senior and junior members of the family business really communicated not only the way that they saw business opportunity, but the way that they saw themselves in the future working together as a family. And that language, that story, those stories, those metaphors linked them together throughout time. And, and we see that, that one of the practical implications in this study them is that is for us to suggest that metaphors are the outcome of that connected communication, you know. And and the family members of business, through these metaphors, through these linguistic devices, are able to simplify the approach to an entrepreneurial opportunity and make them into something that makes sense for a family in a contextual and a specific period of time, but allows them as well to... To, to make other generations learn, and to make that entrepreneurial process something familiar, something that we do, and this is the way we do it. This is the way a previous generation have done it, and let us explain why. And, and it allows them as well to engage, to to highlight why is it important for these families to to share experiences together, to to you know um, to go about and play a game, to go about and experience in the field. Um, one of our one of our um, Another one of the families in this study was uh, a, a conglomerate of, of, of businesses related to agriculture. And they diversified it in mm-hmm. different fields. And one of the key things that, that it, uh, they, this, community, this data told us is that and this analysis, as, as well, uh, was able to help us understand it, is that these families rely on the shared understanding, those shared experiences, to shape that language. So when a new opportunity came about, and somebody said oh well you know this is how about well, the, the experience when we grew corn this is like sowing and harvesting this type of product they all went back to those memories oh yeah it took us this while you know it, we experienced these these this, uh, issues we experienced this pest when we were cultivating and all these different items make sense to them so it was easier for them to contribute as well to move about and process so it highlights the implications for, for, for families to really make something that might seem you know, unfamiliar or uncertain, something familiar and, and that allows them to move forward in the process. I think at the same time, one of the key implications of this for managers and practitioners is that we often forget that that metaphorical language can have the same effect as a full story. Why is that? Because when you have experienced those aspects, those shared experiences, those, those communication throughout time, you may already have embedded in them some stories and that have been associated with experiences and therefore they become embedded in the minds of those members of the entrepreneurial family. So it's like you start a switch. You say, oh yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, now I can relate that to that. And that again is, is something that we didn't expect to find, but we see it as well as one of the key implications for our work. I think we, we often um, you have to realize, as I mentioned, that the power of words, the power of stories, especially when we examine families and business. And those stories can have a power of effect not only for when we research them, when we study family entrepreneurship, but also for practitioners, because it would allow them a device, a vehicle, to transfer knowledge, to transfer wisdom, to transfer insight over time. And why do I say this? Well, you know, so if you read it when you read on paper, you'll find that so in some of these families they had experienced really, really difficult times when family members died. And and sometimes they had to rely, go back to those metaphors that had a lot of meaning to them, not only emotionally, but at the same time, because it provided them a point of reference about how they, as a family, were able to move forward. And again, we are not saying that every family, you know, can can use all the metaphors that we have implied in our study, but it highlights that every family will have a language related to business that needs to be really, really carefully thought about the implications and the powerful influence it can have for future generations. So I think in a nutshell, that will be the key implications from the study.
0: Thanks a lot, Alan, for participating to our show. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-erd.com and on the main podcast platforms.